Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Final Girl on 6th Avenue podcast. My name is Carolyn Smith-Hilmer, and I am 6th Avenue's very own Final Girl, and I'm very happy to be coming at you this week with a normal episode. Yes, normal episode that does not have any countdowns and very little research and just us chatting about a movie. So... Thank you so much. I hope you all enjoyed the top 100 that I did and hopefully you agreed with me because I don't really see any reason why you wouldn't. But if you didn't, um, please let me know because I always think it's nice to hear what everybody's um, number one favorite horror movie is. I definitely think it can tell you a lot about a person. And before we start off, I just want to say, as always, um, this podcast is part of the Morbidly Beautiful Network, so please go to the morbidlybeautiful.com website and and check out all of the merch, all of the writing, all of the blogging, all of the podcasting. There's so much that goes into it. There's so much good content that gets pushed out, and really everybody who works on the Morbidly Beautiful Network and on content for the Morbidly Beautiful Network really does it for the love of the genre, so please check out their stuff. This week, we are going to be talking about a 2022 release called Speak No Evil. Speak No Evil is an IFC film. It is directed and written by Christian Taftrup, one hour and 37 minutes long. Um, No rating, so... Do with that what you will. I personally think some of the best movies don't have a rating. Honestly, a lot of the IFC movies don't have a rating. I mean, I think that's just kind of their vibe. But anyway, let's waste no time and we'll jump right in. And the cool thing, because I know a lot of this, this, this thought, this similar like thought pattern, probably keeps a lot of you up at night. I know it keeps me up at night personally. And this question that troubles me so deeply is what happens, right, when a Danish couple and a Dutch couple walk into a bar? Speak no evil happens. And so I think that's why the film is as important as it is, because now you have no more sleepless nights where you're wondering these things about these two types of, uh, of couples, um, in the world. So Speak No Evil opens with a lovely Tuscan Italian holiday. Um, our Danish family, Bjorn, Louise, and daughter Agnes are quickly getting acquainted with, um, our Dutch couple, which consists of Patrick and Karen and their son, Abel. At first, Bjorn is approached by Patrick at the pool They don't know each other yet, but don't worry, they will. Bjorn is hanging out at the pool reading a book, and um, this is when he encounters Patrick for the first time, who says, hey man, is anybody using this chair that you have all your shit on? Which leads me to a point that I think is really important to make, and if you've never heard this before, I'm going to tell you because I think it's important for you to know. If you are somewhere where there are limited chairs and no one is using or actively sitting in the chair next to you, just fucking move your stuff off of it 
and let somebody else sit down. How hard is that? Why does all your shit have to be on the chair? Why can't it be on the ground? What are you taking to a wet area like a pool or the beach that so desperately needs to be in a chair? Like, hopefully nothing. So, anyway. Then, at a dinner, a group dinner, um, seemingly all these families are on a vacation together. Like, it's like they all stay in, like, a a house together or, like, a little... um, set of villas together to get to know one another and at dinner that night um patrick makes a toast he seems very charming and then bjorn later that night is out on his balcony hanging out he's well he's danish so i had assumed he'd be smoking a cigarette actually but now that i'm thinking about it he's not he's just hanging out up there But when he's out there, he actually sees Patrick staring at him in the dark. So he seems really charming and, you know, all these things. And now he's staring at you in the dark. I don't know. You make up your mind. It's none of my business. Abel, the son, should already be a point of focus for you, dear listener. Because Patrick and Karen explain um, to Louise and Agnes that Abel has a hard time speaking and when he feels pressured it's even harder so this whole thing this whole encounter that they have regarding Abel's speech pattern is outside of a restaurant where Louise and Agnes are waiting for Bjorn to come back because Agnes has lost her stuffed bunny rabbit and Bjorn goes around to find it so Patrick and his family approach Agnes and Louise and start talking to them and um, Bjorn super dad shows back up with the rabbit that Agnes had lost and Patrick says hey that was super admirable like you're a dad you're a hero like I can't believe that you went out of your way to do this for your kid like that's great super admirable any other parent would have been like okay well I'll just buy you another one So then Louise starts talking to introduce herself and introduce Agnes to Abel and Abel's like, you know, not talking back. And Patrick says, well, he has a hard time speaking. But something just doesn't really sit quite right because it's not like he has a hard time speaking. I mean, he doesn't even try. So they sit down for dinner at this restaurant. They all go inside and Patrick explains that he's a doctor and gives Bjorn and Louise all of the care and the kind words in the world. And Louise points out that she's vegetarian. They exchange a mutual dissatisfaction with Swedish people. Life goes on. During the summer, the Netherlands are calling because Bjorn and Louise receive a letter from the Dutch family inviting them to come out and stay for a long weekend. And Bjorn and Louise are kind of like, I don't know if I want to do that. That seems kind of like a weird thing to do with people that I don't really know that well. But they're they're willing to give it a try. It is really flattering to have somebody remember you and your family and to go as far as to invite you, right, to come to visit them. And... They discuss it with some friends that they have over for dinner because they're like, "Uh, we've already flown a lot this year. We've flown twice. 
really don't want to fly anymore and the couple they have over for dinner is like well it's only like an eight hour drive you should just drive i mean what's the harm in that bjorn's like yeah okay i can do that eight hour drive that's not so bad he says he actually says that it's nothing um i vehemently disagree with that statement i mean it's it's that's a colossal drive for a weekend but anyway so they decide they're gonna go it's rude to decline an invitation like this and pretty much immediately upon their arrival bjorn and louise are confused the house that they would expect an established doctor to have is not what they pull up to Patrick and Karen try to make their guests feel welcome. They show them around. They cook a beautiful dinner filled with wild boar that Patrick basically forces Louise to eat. Um, Remember, she's vegetarian. But she thinks it's rude to protest, so she eats it anyway. Can you imagine how bad your stomach would hurt after something like that? Like, if you hadn't eaten any meat in, I don't know, let's say five years... I don't even think your stomach can process something like that. Like, I think that would just make you so incredibly sick. So then after dinner, everybody helps clean up. Bjorn discovers that there's a little, like, shed where he sees Abel. And um, Abel shows Bjorn for the first time that he actually has no tongue. But Bjorn doesn't say anything. So after dinner, the adults, they talk about how disappointing it is nowadays that people can't read maps. And Louise questions if Abel is all right. And Karen and Patrick are like, he's fine. He gets restless sometimes because it's part of this disease he has. He was actually born without a tongue. And I guess this is real. I've never heard of this before. Um... You'll come to find out that it's maybe a little more serious than having been born without a tongue. But basically, Louise is just curious whether he hurts, whether he's in pain ever. And Patrick is like, no, he's fine. He just has a hard time. He has a hard time, like, expressing himself. It's just hard for him to get his point across. And so sometimes that upsets him. And then Agnes is supposed to sleep in the same room as Abel because they're about the same age. But she's like, no, fuck that. So she goes to sleep with her parents, which, like, I get. So the next day, the families, they go out on a long walk through the countryside. It looks windy. It looks chilly. It looks like an allergy attack. There's a lot of wheat, grains. Looks not fun to me. But um, to these people, they look like they're having the time of their lives. And honestly, they're in Europe, so for all we know... It's like 65 degrees and they have coats on. I don't know. People up here in New York do that too. It's like when it's 70 degrees, you really don't need to be wearing a Canada goose. You just don't. There's like, there's no purpose. They end up walking to like this big windmill as, as there are everywhere, right? In the Netherlands. And, um, at the windmill, there's like a little slide and a trampoline And Abel is sitting on the bottom of the slide. And he won't move. But Agnes wants to go down the slide, so that's obviously a problem. So 
Agnes calls out for mom and Louise asks Abel to move, but he won't. And Patrick immediately gets pissed and he pulls Abel up by his collar of his shirt and forces him to apologize verbally, which sounds very um, distorted, but like you can tell he's saying, I'm sorry. So it's not really that he has that difficult of a time expressing himself. And so Agnes goes down the slide and I really just hope that she thinks that the slide was worth it because I think she's kind of fucked up. Back at home, Louise says she doesn't really like being here that much and Bjorn is like, well, we only have a day and a half left. I mean, we did drive eight hours to get here. Do you think you can just cool it for a little bit? Like, I think you'll be just fine for a day and a half. Karen comes in invites them both out to go to dinner and Bjorn is like see she's so miserable to be around like what miserable sack of shit would invite you out to dinner the catch for dinner is that the kids have to stay home with a babysitter that Patrick and Karen seem to be super comfortable with but our Danish friends know nothing about him his name is Mukhajid and he is Muhajid the babysitter. He comes right on in. He acts really comfortable with the kids. He looks like he's right at home. Seemingly he's there a lot. So Louise and Bjorn are kind of like, eh, I don't know if I want to leave my kid with this person. I don't know. But ultimately they agree to do it. So, you know, they don't put up a fight. They get to dinner. It's like, Louise calls it a roadhouse. I don't know if it's a roadhouse. Because, you know, I'm thinking Texas roadhouse. Although the decor doesn't look that different. I don't know. The food's probably awesome. So, they're at this this restaurant. Patrick insists on ordering for everybody, which we already know. He hasn't been considerate of the fact that Louise is vegetarian and he orders for everybody obviously Bjorn and Louise don't speak Dutch so they don't really know what food they're getting and then as as the waiter is walking away Louise says thank you so much for ordering but by the way just a reminder I'm vegetarian and Patrick is like okay I forgot about that but also you eat fish so you're not actually vegetarian you're pescatarian and she's like, oh, sure. Yes, that's true. Um, which, guys, if there is anyone who is vegetarian that is listening to this. If you're a vegetarian and you eat fish, can you please explain to me why you call yourself a vegetarian? That is, that is being pescatarian. Now... I can understand if you say two people who don't really know about this stuff, right? If you tell a random person you're pescatarian and they don't know what the fuck that means, sometimes it's just easier to say you're vegetarian because then you don't have to explain it. But for the people like us who are in the know on, you know, different diets that people can have, to me it's sometimes, unless I know you and like you explain to me that you're vegetarian but you eat fish, I'm like, fine, then I get it. But if I don't know you and I've never had a meal with you and you tell me you're vegetarian, then I assume that that means you eat 
absolutely no meat, like no fish, no nothing. So people in the vegetarian pescatarian community, I am reaching out to you to ask you for guidance on a common ground we can find. I just feel like there has to be a better way for you you all to do less explaining, right? Because not that you really owe anyone an explanation. You don't owe anybody anything. But selfishly, I'm sitting here thinking, like, if you tell me you're vegetarian but you eat fish, then, like, I get that because I know you and you told me and you explained it. But if you just say you're vegetarian with no other context, then I'm assuming you don't even eat fish. So... Anybody in this community who wants to help me out to come up with something, I know that we can do better. Thank you. PSA. So anyway, he presses her at the dinner table about that. And then she's like, well, the reason I do it is because it's better for the environment. I'm, con- I'm very conscious about the environment. I don't want to be a contributor to, you know, all the things that we do with animals that are not good. And I... For God's sakes, I hope Louise never comes to the United States because if she thinks it's bad in in Europe, I mean, there's no telling how bad she's going to think it is here. So there's that. Anyway, so then she's like, well, I eat fish because it's better for the environment. And Patrick is like, okay, but do you think fish farms are better for the environment? And she's like, well, you know kind of depends how you how you look at it right it's all it's all comparative it's all relative anyway they let it go they eat dinner whatever doesn't really matter why she eats what she eats um but anyway after dinner karen and patrick are drunk they're making out they're practically having sex okay they have all their clothes on but they're practically they may as well just be having sex um on the dance floor of this this restaurant they're dancing they're making out they're you know whatever they're rubbing up all over each other and bjorn wants to have louise dance with him a little bit right i mean why why not and so they get up they dance a little bit they get uncomfortable with how touchy-feely things are getting between patrick and karen and so they go sit back down after everybody's done dancing and drinking Patrick looks at the bill and he's like, wow, somebody had a good time tonight. And Bjorn is like, well, we're happy to contribute to the bill, obviously, because we both had it. And Patrick goes, thanks, man. And just lets Bjorn pay the entire bill. So that's kind of shitty. On their ride home, Patrick is driving because he drove to the restaurant. He's driving home and he's so sloppy out of control drunk there's no way that he should be operating a car there's no way he should be driving and they're in the car and he's driving really fast he's driving erratically he's being loud he's playing music super loud like so loud they can't even talk to each other and bjorn asks you know hey can you please turn the music down like it's really fucking loud and you know, Patrick is like, yeah, I'm so sorry. Karen is like, he's just drunk. And, you know, he's just being, he's just drunk. He's having a good time. Like, who cares? So then 
they finally get home. Louise is pissed. Whatever. They get home. The kids are fine. They're sleeping peacefully. Louise goes to take a shower. And Patrick decides that when Louise is taking a shower, that is the best time to go into the bathroom and brush his teeth. So Louise is kind of upset by that. And, you know, she's like, she's just upset. Like, who wouldn't be? I mean, I don't even know what to say. Like, anybody would be fucking pissed, like, if you're taking a shower. And I mean, she's, she's uptight. She is. But like this shower, the glass is super dirty and foggy. Like, you can't really see through it. But regardless, she's upset. So she comes back into the bedroom after she showers and she gets in the bed. Her and Bjorn have sex, which is okay because they're married. And um, Agnes calls out to her parents. She wants to come sleep. She's like, mom, dad, I want to sleep with you, whatever. They keep having sex. That's fine. Bjorn looks over. There's like a little area in the, I, I guess in the wall. I mean, it's like a honestly it looks like a partition but it is a wall and there's a little window in it that's full of stained glass and fucking Patrick is staring right into the window and is looking at them while they have sex and then you know that's all done later in the middle of the night Louise gets up to find that Agnes is in bed with Patrick and Karen and Patrick is fucking naked So, immediately, Louise grabs Agnes. She tells Bjorn she wants to leave. They pack up their shit. They sneak out in the middle of the night. Of course, Agnes reveals that she doesn't have her stupid fucking rabbit with her, and she cries like a little baby. So, Louise tells her, like, we'll buy you another one. Sorry, that rabbit lives with Abel now. Nothing we can do. We're not turning around to go back. Whatever. But Bjorn is like, okay, fuck that. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to go get it, which is like, who, why? Like, why would you even bother? So they turn around, they go back to the house. Nothing gets better when you go back. They go back to the house. And as soon as Bjorn gets out of the car to go back in the house to get the rabbit, guess who finds the rabbit? Agnes finds the rabbit. She finds it under the driver's seat. It was under the seat the whole time. Sometimes I really hate kids. So Louise goes in the house to find Bjorn to tell him that, you know, Agnes found the rabbit. Bjorn is being confronted by Patrick in the kitchen about why they chose to leave early. And without saying goodbye, because it is rude. Not that I feel like that anybody owes anything to these people at this point, but like, you know... Bjorn and Louise, they know that they feel bad. They know that they feel bad that they left and they didn't give a reason why. So Bjorn tries to tell him, you know, like, we feel like it was best for us to go home for many reasons. And he's like not wanting to give Patrick an actual reason. So Patrick keeps pressing. Bjorn is like, well... You know, the bed is uncomfortable. Agnes doesn't want to sleep on the floor. Blah, blah, blah. Louise is standing there like, if you mess with the bull, you get the fucking horns. So let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. We're uncomfortable because 
you made out with us in a restaurant or you made out with each other in a restaurant in front of us and you drove like a psycho and I can't look past the fact that you slept with our daughter in your bed while you were naked okay and you keep trying to push me to eat meat and criticizing my choices and so for those two reasons we're done like I'm done we're not staying and so Karen interrupts and she's like Louise you could have just reminded us that you're a vegetarian I'm so sorry that we forgot and if there was something that we had to eat that you couldn't eat you should have said something so you know kind of putting it back on her and then she's like when I was just kissing my husband in the restaurant and we're dancing and I'm sorry who doesn't want to be close to the one that they love who doesn't want to have a good time with the person that they love and you know like I kind of get that it was still weird but I kind of get that and then finally she's like Agnes was calling out for you, and what were you doing? What were you doing, Louise? Where were you? And, you know, we, the audience, know what she was doing, and she knows what she was doing. She was having sex with her husband. Um, I still don't know how that makes it okay for her to sleep in the bed with these two other people, but I digress. So she feels super guilty about it, and she's like, she just doesn't say anything. And Karen is like, I don't know what else we were supposed to do. So apparently, though, this guilt trip is laid on super thick. It works. Bjorn and Louise end up staying. At the house, Louise and Karen garden and Agnes and Abel play in the yard. But manly men, Patrick and Bjorn, they go for a drive. And they sing together in the car because that is somehow better than gardening. But they go out to pick up some groceries They stop at a quarry on the way back where Patrick introduces the concept of screaming therapy to Bjorn as a way to deal with his anger and negative feelings about how monotonous and boring and claustrophobic his life feels. Back at the house, the men are drunk. They're still drinking, but they're in a pool, which they call it a pool, but it looks like a hot tub and... I'm going to assume it is just a hot tub because it doesn't look deep enough to be a pool and it has actual seats in it and all this stuff. And you can't really swim in it. So I think it's a hot tub. And they're having a good old time, whatever. They're getting ready for lunch. Karen asks Agnes to set the table. Louise cuts her hand while slicing vegetables to prepare for lunch. And... Patrick looks at her hand and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. That looks like it hurts. And Bjorn is like, well, aren't you going to do something since you're a doctor? And Patrick goes, oh, I'm not a doctor. And you're like, but you said you were a doctor in Italy. So that's really strange. And Patrick is like, I know I lie sometimes because I want to make a good impression. And but no, I'm not a doctor. So Bjorn is like, oh, okay, so what do you do for work then? And Patrick's like, oh, I don't work. I don't believe in working. I've never worked. I've never had a job. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay. Well, that's... 
how did you buy the groceries that you got today if you don't have money? Where do you, like, I, logistically, I just don't understand how that's possible, but, like, maybe I'm also just jealous because I do have to work and it fucking blows. It blows so bad. Anyway. She gets her hand figured out. That's great. Then they sit down um, at the table to eat lunch. And at the table to eat lunch, Karen keeps talking to Agnes and keeps like telling her what to do. But Agnes doesn't speak Dutch and Karen only talks to her in Dutch. So like Karen, like Agnes just doesn't understand what she's talking about. But, like, it looks like she's parenting Agnes, and Agnes is clearly not her fucking kid. So, Louise says, can you please stop telling my kid, like, what to do? Like, can you just stop? Because it's just weird at this point. Like, I'm just not happy. Karen is like, okay. Okay. I'm sorry. Super sorry. Sorry. Luckily, though, whenever, you know, Karen stops telling Agnes all what to do. Patrick, the conversation that Patrick is having finally gets to stop because, oh my God, this scene is probably like three minutes long. And I think Patrick goes through like every fact or opinion he's ever had or known about Dutch cheese. And it's just insufferable to listen to. So I'm so glad that that is done. Um, after lunch, they decide that they're going to watch Agnes and Abel, uh, dance for them because they made a dance up or whatever to perform. So they want to do this dance for everybody and they turn on the music, whatever. Patrick thinks that Abel sucks so bad at dancing that he keeps stopping the music and making them start all over. And... Agnes knows that she's not the problem, but, like, she's getting upset because she keeps having to start over and, like, she's not having any fun. So then, finally, after, like, the fourth or fifth time, right, Abel becomes super upset. Patrick is yelling at him. Bjorn and Louise and Agnes are uncomfortable. They try one more time, and then Patrick throws a coffee mug at the wall and breaks it. And he's mad over how shitty of a dancer this, like, eight-year-old kid is. I've never been that mad about an eight-year-old kid being bad at something. But, like, I guess... I guess it could happen. So, Bjorn is like, okay. Agnes, you don't have to try anymore if you don't want to. But it'd really be great if you did it just one more time. And Patrick is like, hey... Abel, you're going to keep doing it until you get it right. I don't care if Agnes is going to do it or not. So, you know, there's some some heads butting, right? And Bjorn tells Patrick, like, instead of just yelling at your kid when they cry, maybe, right, just maybe have some compassion and, and just stop. Like, he takes the stereo away from Patrick. He's like, stop tormenting your kid with music. Be be an adult, be a parent, be a grown-up, be nice, be compassionate, what have you. Louise is, like, just done with the situation. She's fed up. She's upset. She goes outside to get some air, and then Agnes and Bjorn follow after her. She tells Agnes and Bjorn to go inside. She doesn't want her daughter to see her like this. She's very upset. So that night, they pack up their stuff again, 
to leave and they talk about who's going to take Agnes to the flute lesson that she has scheduled for next week. And she obviously doesn't care. Just like I don't care to see it in the movie, Agnes doesn't care either. Like it just was so, it didn't need to be mentioned. When Bjorn goes to the bathroom to brush his teeth, which by the way, Bjorn and Agnes haven't showered this whole entire time. I just want to point that out. Bjorn is um, brushing his teeth in the mirror and Patrick comes in to the bathroom because he can't seem to stay away when other people are in the bathroom. He comes in the bathroom and pees. He just pees. He leaves without saying anything. Bjorn doesn't say anything. Bjorn is upset. He lays awake. He listens while Patrick walks around the house. Patrick yells at Abel for making sounds. The sounds, they sound like he's crying. And... Still awake, Bjorn goes upstairs to the living room and finds that the TV was on, so he turns it off. It was really loud. Turns that off, he sees the faucet dripping. Turns that off. And the whole time, Patrick is outside smoking a cigarette. So he's, like, watching this happen. He sees somebody go into the the shed, like the secondary house or whatever in the back. So he goes out and on his way out of the door, there um, is a refrigerator. It pans to the refrigerator in the kitchen and there's a photo of a family that's much, much larger than the family that lives in this house full time right now. In the guest house, this like little shed, secondary house. I don't know what to call it. A guest house, I guess, is better. It's not really a shed. I mean, it's an actual like house. Bjorn finds cameras and suitcases and photos. I mean, hundreds of photos, tens of cameras, tens of suitcases, all in abundance, making it look like either these people travel a fuckload, right? Or there's something weird going on. So he looks at the photos And in each of the photos, he sees Patrick and Karen are standing with a different child, posing as if that is their own kid. So, in each of the photos, there's another set of parents with their child, and their child is smiling. And then in the the photo where Karen and Patrick are, Whatever their kid is standing in front of them at the time is never smiling. So it's kind of weird. And Patrick it, Patrick and Karen are actually shown in a photo with Abel's actual parents. So Bjorn is getting really uneasy about this whole thing. He goes back outside. He goes to the pool. And in the pool, he finds Abel laying face down in his pajamas he drowned. Again, he's upset. He goes back in the house. He wakes up Louise and Agnes and he takes them to the car. He's like, we got to go home. We got to go home right now. He starts the car. He notices the gas tank is pretty much empty. And then another car appears behind the family and passes them, which is really weird for somewhere in the middle of absolutely fucking nowhere. So they pull over to a gas station There's no pumps, or there's no pumps that they can use anyway. And then they see the car again. They start driving. They pass the car while it's stopped on the side of the road. And Bjorn finally realizes 
oh, damn, we're being followed. So in an attempt to, like, outrun the person who's following them, Bjorn goes down a gravel road and the car gets stuck. Neither him nor Louise have any cell phone service, but they seem to have outrun the person following them for now. So Bjorn runs towards a light that he sees, and this light is a floodlight of house. So he goes to the house. He's screaming. He's knocking on the door. He wants their attention. Like, he wants to use the phone. So he runs towards the house. He, he, go, he, he is successful, right? He comes back to the car to find that Louise and Agnes are gone. But the stupid fucking rabbit is still there. So that's neither here nor there. So Bjorn runs along the road. He's calling for his family for a little while until he eventually sees a car pulling up behind him. And who is it? That is none other than our helpful friends, Patrick and Karen. Patrick says, thank you for calling so we can come help you. And Louise and Agnes are already in the car with Patrick and Karen saying, thank you so much for your help. Bjorn starts to cry. He's, he's, he's distraught, right? Like this, he can't seem to get away from this family. So Patrick says, as long as you do what we say, everything is going to be fine. But Bjorn knows deep down that it's not going to be fine and he's very upset. So they start driving along and apparently they give the, the guys that they're going home, but they're not going home. Karen tells Louise that Abel is at home and is sleeping while Mujahid is looking after him. But we know as the audience and Bjorn knows that Abel is fucking dead. So Mujahid might be at their house, but he's not watching Abel. Patrick stops. He gets out of the car to pee. I don't know what this guy's thing is with peeing. Bjorn starts to eye the car keys. He's looking at, you know... What's going on? They drive some more. I wonder how long nighttime is in this movie. So they're driving, they're driving, they're driving. Everybody's getting restless. Where are we? Why can't we go home? Where the fuck are we going? Blah, blah, blah. Eventually, Patrick and Karen tell Louise and Agnes to be quiet because they never shut the fuck up. And to say, stop asking when we're going to be back at the house. Like, we're not going to tell you. So Patrick stops, he flashes his lights at another car, which happens to be none other than the wonderful babysitter, Muhajid. So Patrick tells Louise and Agnes to shut the fuck up, which upsets Bjorn, and then Patrick punches him in the face after he says, please don't talk to my family like that, which is probably like the most respectful way you can tell someone to, you know, to not talk. I mean, you can't say, please don't talk to my family like that any more respectfully than this. So he gets punched in the face. He gets punched in the face again. Karen flashes a beautiful pair of scissors while telling Louise to let go of Agnes. And and she doesn't say it in like a, let her go, let her go. She says like, Louise, you have to let her go. Like as if like Louise has any choice in the matter. So she, she takes the scissors out. Muhajid is holding Louise back like he's like opened the the car door and he's holding Louise back away from 
Agnes and um and Karen because he doesn't want her to intervene and Bjorn and Patrick don't even try to intervene at all I mean Bjorn literally could not be more useless than he is in this so nobody cares Karen takes the pair of scissors and cuts out Agnes's tongue and it's not like a oh wow you know you didn't show it but I can imagine what you're doing no no you get to see Karen slicing this tongue right off this girl's this girl's mouth I mean it's truly shit of nightmares and so then Agnes gets taken by Muhajid out of the car. Louise is hysterical. She's screaming. She's crying. Where's my kid? I have to get her back. Bjorn is in shock, I guess. But he, again, doing absolutely nothing. I've never hated somebody more. Okay. So then they drive some more. They drive some more. Patrick and Karen take Agnes and Bjorn to the quarry. Bjorn finally asks, why are you doing this? You know, what's the reason? And Patrick says, because you let me. So Patrick orders them to take off all their clothes. They, they, they do. They take off everything and wow, you've never seen two people more upset and more confused about what is going on in their life taking off their clothes. I mean, they're just like on autopilot. Like they don't have any clue what is going on. They take off all their clothes. They walk down to the bottom of the quarry. They hold each other endearingly and Patrick and Karen stone them to death. The film ends with Patrick and Karen on another vacation with their new quote-unquote daughter, Agnes. And she has her stuffed rabbit. They're on the hunt for another new child. I think the thing that just really kills me about this movie is that you wait Not very long, because it's only an hour and a half. But you wait quite some time for, 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 you wait a long time for stuff to get scary, okay? And the movie is unsettling the whole time you're watching it, so that's never really the issue. But, like, you just feel, like, this general sense of unease. Everybody's uncomfortable. I made my mom watch this with me, with my, me and my husband and my mom watched this together. I made them watch it with me, um, on my birthday because it was something I really wanted to watch and it's something I wanted to do. And I'm not going to call it a mistake. I'm also not going to call it a good idea. It's, it's not a Christmas movie. It's not, um... The only Christmas movie that exists today is, is, uh, is Dead Alive. So, um, as long as you're aware that that is a a film about Christmas, then you don't need to worry about this one. This one will never replace that. But 
I think the worst part about this movie, which I love it, by the way, but the worst part about this movie is that you are an innocent bystander to all of this. I mean, this whole thing is completely unfolding in front of you. There is nothing good happening um, at all. I mean, it's just bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. And, and the most infuriating part is that no one is talking about the things that upset them. Okay? The movie is called Speak No Evil for a few reasons, right? Um, when you say, like, you know the term, like, hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil? That's literally a term used to redirect your attention to basically say, well, if you don't hear about it and you don't see it and you don't think about it or talk about it, then it's not really happening. It's not really relevant. And um, it's really what our characters are doing. I mean, the whole movie. They are, they are they're knowing that something is going on. They are knowing that these things are making them uncomfortable. They are saying nothing about it and the one time they do say something about it right Bjorn chooses to not ever confront these feelings he has he tells you know Patrick well the bed was uncomfortable and Agnes doesn't want to sleep on the floor and blah 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 that is actually not the reason at all the real reason they wanted to leave is because there was a fucking stranger butt-ass naked with their child in the bed with him. That is what is upsetting. That is what is scary, right? And the whole time, every time there's a problem, no one speaks up to what the problem actually is. So when Louise finds Agnes in bed with Patrick, who's naked... She never tells Bjorn why she wants to leave. She never tells him that that's what she saw. She just says she wants to leave. Then the next day when they come back to say, well, you know, we we left because the bed was small and whatever. Then she finally says, okay, no, the real reason we left is because I just can't handle it anymore. I can't handle the fact that you guys do all these things. And I am going to just tell you that you slept in a bed with my child and you were naked and that is fucking disgusting and I'm not going to sit here and listen to it. I'm not going to sit here and talk about it. I owe you no discussion about this. Like, I owe you nothing. And because she airs it out, everybody, everybody's reaction is so passive Everybody's reaction is so subdued. I mean, all Karen can say is like, well, she was calling out for you. Where were you? As if like that somehow like makes it not a crime to be, you know, naked in bed with a minor, but whatever, right? I mean, when even confronted with that fact, like Louise feels so guilty that she was having sex with her own husband that she can't even fathom a world in which she continues to protect her child by getting the child out of the situation and then just brings the kid back into it. Like it was fuck. I mean, the whole movie is like this. It's so frustrating. When they show up from the first night and have dinner, Louise never says, 
oh, I'm vegetarian. I'm so sorry. I don't eat meat, but thank you so much for offering. She just says like, oh no, I could not possibly take the first piece, you know, whatever. Patrick's like, no, I really want you to have it. And she's like, no, 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 seriously, please. It's for you. And she, he's like, no, please. I, I made it for you guys. So then she just takes a bite. She could have just said, I'm vegetarian. Done. Like it, it could have been game over. Right. But she didn't speak up for herself. Um, when ever Bjorn finds Abel, because Bjorn is just as guilty. Whenever Bjorn finds Abel's dead body in the pool. And then when they're in the car later and Karen says that Muhajid is at home with Abel, Bjorn never speaks up to say, um, no, Abel is fucking dead. He just, he just doesn't say anything. He saw Abel's dead body. He just doesn't say anything. Because if you don't say it out loud, then it's not real. Right? If you don't acknowledge that these things are happening, then it's not real. Louise is the only person in this movie who is actually decently willing to talk about this stuff, right? And and Bjorn, whenever he wants everybody to leave, um, whenever, you know, it's it's the night of when all the shit goes down, he never says, like, we need to go because I found Abel's dead body. He just says we have to go. So the whole time Louise and Agnes are sitting there thinking like, oh, Abel's still alive and well and happy and he's with Muhajid at home. And like, it's just crazy to me that nobody wants to communicate about this shit. And ultimately, the second, you know, little hidden meaning for the movie is that they cut the tongues out of the kids. I mean... You can't run up to somebody and have a full-blown conversation. Oh, that's the point, anyway. You can't run up to somebody and have a full conversation without your tongue, without a lot of practice and time to use it and really use how to, you know, know how to use your um, your throat to make and produce these sounds. And if you cut somebody's tongue out, I mean, it's the intention that that they won't speak anymore. And so that's kind of the point. So they cut the tongues out of these kids in the hope that these kids will not be able to articulate to other people like, hi, these are actually not my fucking parents. These are some random people that kidnapped me and are holding me hostage. And they're going to kill me when they find the next kid that they want to adopt or or what I use adopt loosely because, you know, they bring the kid to live with them. I mean, the whole thing is psychotic. And the overall message for me if you have a bad feeling about something just don't do it if you're feeling uneasy about something if you feel like you don't want to do something just don't it's not it's not crazy it's not like some you know horribly offensive thing any adult should understand if you don't want to do something, you don't have to. It's um, it's really a movie about trusting people too quickly, trusting people you don't know at all, trusting people to have the same values as you, the same morals as you, to have the same parenting style as you and lifestyle and 
they just take these these people for their word. I mean, nobody questioned whenever Patrick said he was a doctor. And then you show up to this fucking, this shithole house and you don't say out loud like, wow, this is not what I expected a doctor to live in. You just don't say anything. I mean, the whole plot is just bizarre. But I think I like the plot and I like the overall lesson because it is just that simple. If you trust people too blindly, too quickly, too wholly, I mean, you end up, you could end up in a situation like this. And that's why this movie works. I mean, this is something that could totally happen to you. It could happen to me. It could happen to anybody. And I think it's nice to have a movie that's kind of realistic. Um, it makes it even more terrifying. So those are my thoughts. I really like this movie. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. It's only an hour and a half, like I said. So why not if you don't have anything to do? Um, thank you so much for listening. I do appreciate it. I hope that everybody likes to get back to the regularly scheduled programming. And... Um, Yeah, I don't have a set plan for movies that I want to cover next. I'm very excited because I'm going to go see on Friday, tomorrow, um, I'm going to go see Bo is Afraid, the new Ari Aster movie. It's the premiere uh, day. So I'm thrilled to be going to the Alamo Drafthouse to see that and have a beer with my nice movie and my husband. I'm, I'm thrilled. So Um, If there's anyone that has any suggestions, because like I said, I don't have any like set plans for what to cover next, please let me know and I would be happy to take a look at it for you. But um, if not, I will pick a movie that I like because like I've said many times, this is my podcast and I can do whatever I want. And if you don't want to listen, then I respect that too. Thank you guys so much for listening. You can find me on um, Instagram at final girl on six. You can email me at final girl on six. That's the number six at gmail.com. And until next time, I am Sixth Avenue's very own final girl. Bye.